Hey folks, thanks for joining us for another episode of Travel and Trivia. We are glad to be back. We spent an awesome week in Mexico and we are wishing you a happy new year. Well, by the time this podcast drops, it always gets confusing. But anyway, a podcast for the curious traveler eager to embark on their next adventure. Typically, our trivia questions would cover the country from the highest peak to the lowest valley, but today's episode will be a little closer to home. And by home, I mean the campsite you call home during most of your wild and memorable adventures. Join us as we aim to educate on all things camping, from the lingo to the best practices to our stories of triumph and epic failure. A reminder, there will be just over 30 seconds to answer each question. So if you're impatient like me, feel free to skip ahead. Without further ado, let's set up camp. Question 1. Go ahead and visualize this with me. Ah, you finally made it. You breathe in the wonderful smells of the great outdoors and gaze upon the creekside campsite that will serve as your home for the night. The sun is low in the sky and you realize you better assemble your tent before darkness takes hold. What is the most widely accepted term used for the process of assembling a tent? A. Setting B. Staking C. Erecting D. Pitching And the answer is D, pitching. So why is it called pitching? To many of us, pitching sounds more like something you'd do on the baseball diamond than in the backcountry. According to the Worldwide Words, yes, there's a website for that, the oldest definition of pitch refers to the act of thrusting a stake or pole into the ground. Like many phrases in the English language, pitching a tent is not free from having multiple meanings. I'll leave that one up to your imagination. Question 2. True or false? Dispersed camping on public lands operated by the BLM is strictly prohibited. And the answer is false. According to information provided by the BLM, camping on public land away from developed recreation facilities is generally allowed, unless signed close to camping. In the event, camping there could adversely impact wildlife or other natural resources. So good news there. That opens up millions of acres of free camping spots across the U.S. However, there are some strings attached. You will need to clean up after yourself and in most cases cannot remain in the same area for a period exceeding 14 days, although there are exceptions to the rule. For more information, check the link in the show notes. Question 3. In this question, 
I'll list off four camping best practices. Your job will be to pick out which one is far from a best practice. A. Always plan for bad weather. B. Always take a first aid kit. C. Store food inside your tent away from wildlife. D. Always carry something capable of lighting a fire. Answer is hopefully we all got this one right. C. You should not store food inside of your tent. While you may think you'd be doing the animals a favor in protecting your food, what you're really doing is asking for unwanted interactions with wildlife. While a raccoon scratching at the side of your tent almost sounds cute, a bear paw ripping through the thin exterior is not something you want to experience. So, what can you do instead? There are several options, all of which involve putting some distance between you and your food. I should also mention quickly, this goes for any food-like items that give off any type of smell, like toothpaste for example. Many campgrounds and backcountry sites come equipped with a bear box for campers to use. If this is the case, it's as simple as storing your food there and grabbing what you need when you need it. If not, you can look into options for bear sacks or bear canisters with both needing to be located a good distance from your site and the former ideally elevated via string high up from a tree branch. Question four. Name this outdoor organization that focuses on educating people rather than costly restoration programs with the goal of land protection. Hint, you may know their seven principles. And the answer is, leave no trace. The principles of leave no trace have educated all outdoor enthusiasts over the past 29 years. Thanks to their grand vision, tremendous progress has been made while fostering the idea of protecting land rather than using it. So what are the seven principles? Plan ahead and prepare. Travel and camp on durable surfaces. Dispose of waste properly. Leave what you find. Minimize campfire impacts, respect wildlife, and be considerate of others. If we all do our part to practice these seven easy-to-follow principles, the world will continue to be a better place for years to come. Question 5. Camping is a practice all cultures have shared at one time or another. While today it is a recreational activity, not so long ago it was a way of life. In the mountains of Central Asia, a portable round tent covered and insulated with skins or felt was the traditional dwelling of choice. Today, you can find many of these structures available for rent at campgrounds and as vacation rentals across the U.S. 
What is the name of this rounded structure often assembled with a lattice work of interwoven wood? And the answer is yurt or gur in Mongolian. These light and strong structures were the backbone of nomadic communities and are still used for their original purpose to this day. Nowadays, they're a dime a dozen across the U.S. and often tossed in with the new glamping craze that's sweeping the nation. Would you stay in one? Question six. Is camping a culture? I would have to argue that it is. After all, it has its own language. Well, not language per se, but if you don't keep up with the ever-evolving list of camping terms and outdoor lingo, you might find yourself up the creek without a paddle. As it relates to camping, what does the term bivouac mean? And the answer is sleeping outside in a crude temporary shelter without the benefit of a campsite or tent. Bivouacking can look like camping with just a sleeping bag or a bivy sack, or it might refer to camping on a rock ledge during an extended multi-day climbing expedition. Climbers might also bivouac on a portal ledge if there isn't a natural surface available during multi-day ascents. We are rolling. How many glasses of water you go through recording that, Chloe? Not even a cup. Let's be dramatic. <laughs> All I hear from the living room, by the way, we all, if you're new here, we only have one mic still. We're trying to get two. We just haven't uh, pulled the trigger on it yet because I can't decide which one to get. I listen from the living room as I hear Chloe <coughs> clearing the throat. I know it's going to be a good read then. Anyway, camping. Chloe, I want to hear your thoughts on it because I'm going to go ahead and say without me, you probably never would have camped. Is that, is that a correct statement? <laughs> Absolutely. My butt would be in a hotel room, <laughs> which is pathetic, but I'm glad that we've gotten into camping. I really enjoy it. And the bubbles can come with us too. So what kind of recommendations did you have for somebody who wants to get into camping as far as like major... Uh, things to get that have improved your quality of camping life. And we'll go in this fictitious example, pretend that you have like a nice campsite to go to. So you already got that. You're not like on the side of a mountain or anything. All right. Think like uh, Shenandoah, Big Meadows, something like that. Okay. Well, number one, I would get a good tent. <laughs> so I guess depending on how many people are there, um, that's a factor. I know that you've talked about that there's what different number of seasons for tents? You can't you can't say that yet, Chloe, because in the world of the podcast itself, in time, <laughs> that has not been said yet. Anyway, 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 yes, yes. Get a good tent appropriate for the season of which you are camping. Okay, my bad. Anyway, moving on. 
um, sleeping bag slash sleeping pad. Some drop some uh, drop some product. I mean, do some shameless plugs here. We've had good experiences with the Nemo <laughs> I don't with know. our Nemo sleeping bags, which are uh, oh, they got an actual name to them. What are they called? Side uh, switch. <laughs> I forget exactly what, but they're the one targeted at side sleepers because both of us are side sleepers. I've been in a mummy and I feel like I'm in a coffin. So the ability to go up on your side and have that little bit of extra wiggle room in the shoulders, I think you lose maybe there's probably an extra ounce of material there or something and it packs down. It's volume in your backpack is a little bit bigger, but I, I personally believe that it's worth it. Yeah. And the ones we have, um, we camped at what? It was like 30 degrees that one night and it, we stayed pretty warm. So that's another thing to consider is the temperature outside. But remember, Chloe, it would be nothing without the sleeping pad. The sleeping bag, if it's warm, is going to be warm relative to the ground. Yes. Yeah, I said sleeping pad, too. I just didn't get into it. But that's important as well. We have, I don't know what it's called, but it's, it's an X-Ped Ultra 5R. <laughs> You're such a dork. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so you basically fill it up with air once you get to the campsite, and it's pretty convenient to carry too. So, Chloe, that sounds like a heck of a lot of stuff to buy. I mean, how much would something like this cost? I don't think I could afford it. Is there anything I could do to maybe cut a couple of corners and uh, maybe save a little bit? Yes, we looked at REI. They have uh, was a resale, so you get used equipment, but they're always in pretty good shape or at least the things that we've gotten. So that saves you quite a bit. Yeah, you can go on there, um, become a member on the site. There's also some other good things that come along with becoming a member, but you can basically swap gear uh, when you feel like it, as long as your stuff is in excellent condition or fair. Even if it is in worse condition, they'll just uh, sell it in the for the price of worse condition goods. But what I like about it on there is that you can use the filters to say like, Okay, maybe in this particular item, I really want it to be like basically new, but used, you know, so excellent condition. You can go on there, apply that filter, find exactly what you're looking for. In some cases, like I found my sleeping pad, which was an odd one because it was a men's long or whatever. And just so happened to find one right on there that somebody uh, had up there for sale. We also got um, a little traveling pillow. So that I guess is just more for your comfort. Um, but that pretty much covers like the tent area. Yeah, I'm trying to think uh, if there's anything else. Those little, um, oh, what's that one? It's I think it's called a thermarest. I'd have to look. But it does pack down. That pillow packs down itself. So it's already small. It's maybe like the size of a, ooh. Even a loaf of bread. <laughs> Not a loaf of bread. Smaller than a, a small loaf of bread, if you will. And it'll pack down to an even smaller loaf of bread or half a loaf of bread. Some other things to think about. Um. I guess, depending on where you're going, you might have to make your own food. So you could give the name of our little stove thing we have. Oh, and we are going to go ahead and quickly shamelessly plug my YouTube video on the review of the MSR Pocket Rocket 2. Yeah, he didn't look that up. He just knows that. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, it is a canister stove that runs on Isopro, um, which is a propane butane mix. Super small. I think it comes in at under three ounces. Uh, it does not have a piezo igniter. Uh, so keep that in mind. No built-in igniter. You will need 
to provide your own ignition source, be that a match or a lighter, which you should probably have both. Let's just be honest. But pair that with the Alpine two pot set also by MSR and you have got yourself one heck of a cooking setup. There's a lot of hoopla out there. A lot of like people uh, trying to cut weight to the absolute extreme and I appreciate it and you know I can look at it and be like well that is your goal and you're achieving that so good job. The Alpine two pot set is not light in the way of camp cookware. However we will never have to buy one again. This, this is a lifer deal. This stainless steel two pots and the little uh, pot holder or picker upper deal. It's got a more legit name but you know what I'm saying. We're set. We're set for life. Those are I guess your basics to pretty comfortable um, camping trip, I would say. Am I, am I missing anything? No, that's pretty good. I mean, we don't want to get too far into the weeds on like random backpacking equipment. I'm trying to think if there's anything that we got that like we ended up using way more than we thought or it was like something that we ended up picking up because we were lacking in some aspect. But I know we recently got you your own hydration pack. Um, because you were rocking just carrying some extra water bottles. Oh, this is kind of a hot tip, maybe. I mean, I stole it from somebody. Go ahead and go find yourself the largest smart water bottle that you possibly can find. And when you find that one, it's going to be one bigger than that. But it fits perfectly in the side of most backpacks. And it's like, gosh, is it a two liter, a liter and a half? It's great. It's it's a great reusable water bottle because they are a little bit more rigid than most water bottles. Yeah, we both have one, I think, when we hiking so it's been very convenient for us yep between that and then uh reservoir i mean you can, there's a bunch to pick from there but um if that goes right into your backpack and you got those extra water bottles as well you should be set for most occasions you're gonna just love my question but what was your favorite place we've camped at oh these ones kill me we've camped at or i've camped at i'll tell a quick funny story jeremy uh might not like might not think it's as funny as me. If he listens to the pod, I don't even know. I might butcher the name of this place. Gosh, it was a long time ago. In college. You remember I had that one, that little one-man tent? I mean, we're talking one-man tent. I can't sit up in it. It's just like a, it's a coffin in itself. We decided to go on this camping trip, and there was four of us going. Jeremy brought a tent for him. At the time, his girlfriend, Aubrey. And then Sam went with us. And I had a tent, but I kind of forgot to tell him that mine's just a one person tent. So when he asked me like, Hey, you bring a tent? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm bringing a tent too. You know, I'm all set. So we get to the spot. It's up at the very tip of the key went off. Um, I think it's called Horseshoe Bay. Uh, really cool. Like there's some rocky outcroppings and stuff. And we get this spot. It's out of the wind. We got the rocks over to our left and start setting up camp. Jeremy's setting up his tent and he looks over, he looks at me and I'm setting up my tent and he's like, Looking at it, kind of like once over, and he's like, <laughs> and you could just tell on the set. He's like, "That's that's pretty small." It's like, he's like, "You brought your one man tent," and I'm like, "Yeah, I thought uh, Sam was sleeping with you guys." <laughs> Turns out Sam did, no harm, no foul, but <laughs> maybe he had other plans for the evening. I'm sorry. Now they're happily married, so apparently it all worked out. So I'll go ahead and kind of ignore your question, Chloe, and answer it in that way with a funny story, and ask you. What's your favorite place that we've camped? Well, I've only gone a couple different places. And most of them have included the Bubba's. So those have all been fun experiences. I'm going to say we went to Shenandoah and we camped there. That was pretty cool being able to stay right there in the National Park. Pretty much we were right in the middle. What was it? Big Meadows. Yep. Big Meadows, uh, Mile Point. 
Oof. 50. 51 and a smidge, something like that. Um, and l- literally a 0.2 mile walk to the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. So that was pretty cool, um, especially since all the other things we did with it. That's fair. I thought you were going to mention the one that we did back on uh, back by my house on Craig's property. That one. Uh, whew. That was we just got all of our hiking gear. We wanted to try it out. It was I'm glad we took it. It was like and this is another tip too. like take a, a basically a dry run, like a no harm, no foul situation where if things go badly, we can go back up and sleep at the house <laughs> like that kind of badly. So we were all packed up and had an idea. We had the boys with us. They were having fun because we were down by the creek. And uh, I think I posted some videos of that on my Instagram a long time ago. But anyway, they're down by the creek playing and stuff. And we get ready for the night. And it was going to be a nice night. I checked the weather. So we did not opt to put the, uh, what would you call it? The main, yeah, the main like tarp part of the tent. Oh, so we just had just like the mosquito netting over top of us, which was going to be plenty for the night. We could look at the stars. I remember shooting a time lapse, falling asleep during it and then waking up and it wasn't, it didn't turn out because my phone fell over, but whatever. (laughs) So it gets to be kind of the middle of the night and one of our dogs, Boone, could sleep basically anywhere and has slept basically anywhere. This is actually worth mentioning. If you go back into, oh gosh, August of last year on mine or your social media, Travel Down Wander, look it up on Instagram. There's a picture of Boone sleeping on top of a cooler. Now you might think, oh, that's not really that like like a Coleman cooler, a Yeti. I mean, it's flat. I mean, that's really not that impressive. It's not a flat cooler. It's one of them like triangle lunchbox coolers. And he's like sleeping on the side of it. Yeah, he's using it as like a pillow. <laughs> it was, you know, it was a big trip for the guy. So he was probably tuckered out. But anyway, he can sleep anywhere. He's let's assume he's sleeping in the corner upside down. Thunder, on the other hand, is like takes on the role of the guard dog. I don't know. He will sleep, but he's kind of in like this ever present state, I'll say. Yeah, if he hears like any kind of noise, he's up and alert and like he's ready to go. (laughs) And we were hearing noises all night. I was to the point where I was afraid, not afraid, but like expecting when I shine my flashlight to just have like something be right in my face. Cause it was all night just moving around. And now that I've, this is also a spot that I hunt. So I've spent a tremendous amount of time out there uh, this fall. Now that, that I've seen what I've seen out there, I can almost guarantee it was either deer just like going about their normal daily or nightly business, or it was raccoons. There have been a few bears back there in time but and we saw bear poop there when we were like setting up so i got nervous and then we kept hearing noises so i didn't sleep but it's fine (laughs) but you know what chloe and this is something worth mentioning as well as i had mentioned in uh, question three of best practices the one that wasn't a best practice we did not keep our food anywhere near us do you remember me trying to get that uh the bear sack up in that tree. I'm this is I'm glad we did the test run because I picked a tree. I'm like, oh, that's a nice limb. It was a big oak. It had one like big overhanging branch, but it was up there. And I had some paracord. And so I was planning on just kind of doing like a cowboy, like whip it around and sling it up there. You gotta imagine both the dogs are thinking this is a game at this point. So they're right there with me. And every time it falls, they're chasing after it. And I can't whip it around because if I'm whipping it around, they're wanting to play with it. I'm like, okay, we're not understanding what's going on here. So what I ended up doing was moving trees still probably, oh gosh, we were probably uh, probably 50 yards from our campsite, moved trees, got it in another one, and then did a little tie off job um, onto the tree itself down at the bottom. So 
our bag was probably all of 15 feet in the air. And that had all of our products in it that are any type of food like product. I'm talking even our empty. Uh, we had two empty beer cans. Um, do you remember those KVCs that we brought? We sound like alcoholics on this show. We barely ever drink, but in that instance, we did. Anyway, our uh, our empty mountain houses that we tried, which we didn't really need to do, but we wanted to go through the process of using the canister stove and all that, and it worked out. And those were good. They were the uh, the, the higher protein ones. I forget they got a name. You remember what they're? Mm. Anyway, food wrappers, all that stuff. I mean, unopened, open, doesn't matter. Throw it in there. You don't even have to worry about it. We do not have bear spray and we definitely need to get some. That is true. Oh, I'm going to answer your question now after I round about it all that way. And you're not going to like it. The coolest spot that I've camped was by myself in the Beaver Basin wilderness when you could not go because of a certain, I don't want to say the C word because it has other connotations, but a sickness, we'll say. Um that people have been getting here for the last couple of years. She's fine now. Totally fine in most ways. But I, uh, I don't know if I, have I told this story on here or not of me forgetting the stove? No, but I told Zach the other day. That's why it feels fresh in my mind. Anyway, go with it. Hiking in the Beaver Basin Wilderness. Uh, it's part of the Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore, but it is not visited like the Pictured Rocks are. I mean, we are talking, when we say wilderness, like you pass a wilderness sign, there is nothing until close to Grand Marais, which is, uh, gosh, I want to say it's probably close to 15 miles or more along the coast right there. So I, I had a route picked out for us. Uh, our bags were packed. We were ready to go. And at the last minute, we made the call. Um, Chloe's not going to be up to it, uh, but I still was going to go. What I should have done, this is a little bit of foreshadowing. I should have unpacked both of our bags, laid everything out and taken from yours what I need and maybe made some sacrifices for what, what things I could live without for the two days that I would be there. My plan was to hike right around uh, 12 miles to my campsite alongside a creek and then hike back on the beach the following morning. That was the plan. And along the way, uh, I would have our I would have food, I would have our camp stove, I'd have plenty of snacks. I'd be alone. I wouldn't have service, but I saw quite a few other people out there and I didn't feel, you know, unsafe in doing this. I felt prepared to do it. And for the most part, I was. Uh, my pack was a little bit over. Um, it was probably a little overweight for that type of trip since I was bringing things for that you would normally also carry. So, uh, you know what? I, in a previous episode, I said you didn't carry your weight. You carry your weight club. Yeah, I know. I was feeling it. So I get to the campsite, get all set up. Right at this point, I had hiked, right, gosh, it was right around, it was, it was over 10 miles. And I put my um, food and all that stuff in a bear container. They had one of those bear boxes there. Kind of set it aside. Everything else was good at my site. So I actually put on my swimsuit, which I packed, which I probably shouldn't have. I should have just like, you know, <laughs> I don't know, made do. But anyway, grab my swimsuit and I'm close to the... Uh, close to Lake Superior. So I go down uh, for sunset and I'm taking some pictures I'm taking some videos, all that stuff, you know, that I love to do. I got the gimbal out and put my toes in the water a little bit, skipping a few rocks, go back up to the campsite. I'm like, man, you know, it's, it's almost dark. I better go ahead and like make myself some food. And I had packed uh, some rice that I was going to cook. Then I had some other, I think I had some salmon or something else for that night in packaging, obviously not like fresh, but uh, in some like a mixed veg, a dehydrated mixed veg. Just going to throw that all together. It was going to work. So I, I actually get the food that I'm going to cook out of the bear box because it's on my way to the tent. And I, at this point, I got to have my headlamp on to see well enough, even though it was still a little bit light. And I open up my pack and I start like rifling through it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my first thought, and I'm ashamed to say it, was that somebody stole 
our stove set up because it was all neatly packed in that Alpine two pot set, which again, I'm just going to shamelessly plug. You got to get it. Um, it was all neatly packed in there. And I'm like, you know what? That's a nice little option. Somebody probably came along because the trail runs right through our camp, even though I'd only seen five people that day and they probably had their own stuff. I'm like, somebody took it. I can't believe it. And I had no way of confirming or denying this because I had no service. And now I had no real food. I mean, I did have other snacks. I was really, I was uh, really upset at myself for eating all my dried mangoes on the way there. Cause I, you know, I was in a surplus. I'm like, oh, I got extra snacks. If I'm feeling like having one, I'll have one. Now I had n- nothing really, or no way to have like hot food. So I did eat the, uh, did eat the salmon. And then I actually got out the rest of my food and began to like ration it. For the time left that I had. So I had to go 12 miles the next day, which with a pack on on a beach is no small feat. All I had was uh two chomps left, and they were the um that one flavor I don't like so much. Italian or whatever. It's just a pepper, something about it. Anyway, two chomps, and I had three. This is gonna be my main calories. Three of them, uh, what are they? Amy's butters, Aubrey's, Audrey's butters, whatever. Uh, they're little squeezable peanut butters. Two of them had the cinnamon in them, which you got to get those ones, the cinnamon sugar ones. Oh, but that was it. That wasn't looking like a whole bunch. I mean, I'm a pretty big guy, so I need like a good amount of food to make it through stuff like this. So I went to bed. I'll say I went to bed a little hungry, but not uncomfortable and just kind of thinking of the day ahead. So I thought to myself, my best bet here is to get up as early as I really feel like it as early as I can uh, while I've still got energy, you know, and all that. And I wasn't in a survival situation, but I was in like, this is going to start to really suck if you extend this too much longer situation. So at 3 a.m., I have camp packed up. There was one other person camping. They probably thought I was crazy, but 3 a.m. I pack up camp. I put on my headlamp and I go out to Lake Superior down on the beach and I decided to just start walking and walking and walking in sand in my hiking boots is not an easy task. It starts to wear on you because you're walking a different way than you ever would. Now, was it pretty? Oh, yeah. It was beautiful. I wish I wish you would have been there, Chloe. Thanks. Since it was the trip that I wanted to do and I just couldn't. But I'm glad you had a good time, even though it was kind of a little sketch. <laughs> the night sky in a wilderness area like that is even just hard to describe. When you think about like maybe you, you've gone out to a cabin or somewhere in the country and you actually you see some more stars than you normally would. And you think like, oh, that's crazy because that's how it is all the time. Well, you go ahead and you go to a place even more sparsely populated than that. And I'm talking the entire sky was stars. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful. Um. I also, I posted a picture on my Instagram. I don't think of the stars, but of that sunrise that morning. You remember that one? Um, if you want to kind of check out what that coastline looks like, for the most part, it's straight, but it does, I'll say like locally, there's some little individualized cutbacks and stuff that make it uh, that make it really pretty. Sorry, I just hit the mic with my hand. There was one portion of that beach walk that was more like pictured rocks than a beach. I don't know if I told you about that or not. I was probably about um, four miles in because I was tracking it on my watch. I started coming up on these like, it was basically like slick rock, but it was wet too, like shelf rock, like that sedimentary shelf rock. And I was starting to have to go up and down over these rocks. And I'm thinking, this is going to be an issue because the actual trail is way up above me now, probably a hundred feet up a steep cliff. And if I run out of, if I run out of rock to walk over, I'm either going to have to go in the water or I'm going to have to go back to a spot where I can go up to the trail, which I would have had to been backtracking far. Now I've, I'm working with the light of the stars. There wasn't really much of a moon that night. 
the sun's coming up, but it's barely up, you know, it's coming slow and it's coming from that other way. So not providing much light. I'm just kind of faced with the decision to, to push on. I mean, at this point, what am I going to, if I'm either going to be able to make it or I'm not. And there was like three sketchy areas where I honestly thought like I should probably, because I'm by myself, turn back and just like kind of forget about this and go back up on the trail. Don't need to walk the beach anymore. But I said, heck it. <laughs> and I went for it. And it did run out that little, like whatever that was, that shelf rock, it ran out, got back onto the beach. I started looking at my, I had my GPS on my phone and my Onyx. I downloaded the off line map, which is a great tip. Um, if you do have on X to download those offline maps, so you can use them in any situation. This is gonna be a long episode. I'm looking at it because you know how you can measure on there. I'm measuring every like, it seemed like every 500 feet I'd measure and see like, okay, how far away is that river? Cause I knew I had to get to this river. It's really more, I think it's a Creek, um, more than anything, but if I could get to that river, I could get back on the trail, cross a little bridge and I wouldn't have that much further to go. My feet were on fire and like my straps of the backpack, cause it was still pretty like fresh at this point and it was heavy, a little less heavy. I mean, could have been heavier if I would have brought the right stuff, but I was, it, it honestly turned into a mental game more than anything. Like physically I was hurting, but I wasn't hurting like any worse than I was hurting five minutes before that. I was just like, I, I would sit down. If I found a piece of driftwood, I'd sit down, take a little rest, just get like the pack weight off me, get back up, just keep going. At one point I made the decision and I don't regret it. It was a good thing to do. Um, there was a bucket that had washed up on the beach, um, whether somebody lost it on a boat or maybe one of those, like a house that's along the shore or whatever. And I'm like, man, I just, I feel like I should do my part, you know, and carry that with me the rest of the way, even though I'm like hurting at this point, I'm like, maybe, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't. Do I get a pass on this one? No, you don't. I picked up the bucket and along the way I would come across like other trash. And that started being my thing that like got me through it. I had like something to preoccupy my mind. So I had my trash bucket and I'd come up across like a can and there wasn't a lot out there. I want to want to make it seem like people are tearing this place up. I'd come across a can. I'd come across a random piece of, oh, like a marine rope from a boat that type of stuff I put it in my bucket. So now I'm doing a good job. I'm feeling good about myself for doing that, but I'm also getting a heavier bucket and my feet are hurting worse. <laughs> Ugh. finally I make it to the outlet of this Creek. And I know that at this point I can go just follow the Creek up. I can cross a bridge. I'm actually going to leave the beach behind and I'm going to get back into the back country a little bit. And I'm probably no more than a mile from the car. The relief I had when I made it, not like relief, like, oh, you're safe or whatever, but like relief to take my shoes off, relief to leave that bucket behind. You know, I dumped it out. I put it by the trash. I'm like, woo, I did my thing. Obviously, nobody ever knew about it. I guess they do now. Whatever. <laughs> it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, and then the idea that I can get in my car and I can go to the nearest grocery store and I can just grab whatever carbohydrates that I feel like. Do you remember me calling you or FaceTiming you? And I had a pint of ice cream on some little like Cinnadust cereal. Right. And this was at like 9 a.m. Yeah. Whatever they had in the bakery. Um, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't really starving like in real life, but I normally have to eat a lot to be who I am or whatever, however you want to say that. So not having that food for a while was tough. But in a roundabout way, Chloe, a story later. That is this favorite, my favorite place that I have camped. Well, maybe we'll be able to go back together and be a little bit more prepared. Oh, for sure we will. And, and now, now back, back to, to the, the trivia. trivia. 
Question seven. You've done your research and you're finalizing your pack. You're running through the checklist when you realize you've forgotten a water purification system. Which item below could you bring with you to purify water during your trip? A. Iodine tablets. B. Calcium tablets. C. A stainless steel straw. Or D. The hydrogen peroxide from your first aid kit. And the answer is A. Iodine tablets. Iodine tablets are cheap and readily available at most outdoor retailers and online stores. So what's so special about iodine? These tablets are capable of making almost any water bacteriologically suitable for drinking. Often these tablets are sold as a package deal with neutralizing tablets that take care of the taste, odor, and color. If you do decide to go the iodine route for water treatment, remember that most tablets suggest you wait at least 30 minutes prior to drinking. Question 8. While overall goals for individual campers vary, we all want to be at least somewhat comfortable relative to how much we're willing to carry. Sure, you can bring a king-size mattress with you, you'd be very comfortable, but would it be practical? Probably not. Today, most campers utilize some form of sleeping pad either made of foam or blown up with air upon arrival to their campsite. When it comes to sleeping pads, a good R value can mean the difference between revitalizing rest or freezing to death. What is R value the measure of? And the answer is thermal resistance, or the ability of an object or material to resist the flow of heat. You can think of it like this. Say it's cold outside and the ground is also cold at 45 degrees. If your sleeping pad doesn't have the correct R value for that task, you'll be feeling that 45 degree ground temperature all night. Essentially, the higher the R value, the lower the heat loss. If you'd like to learn more and be better prepared for your next trip, Head on over to our blog, www.traveldownwander.com, and read the article, What is our value and why does it matter for sleeping pads? I will also include the link in the show notes. Question 9. True or false? Four season tents are the best option for camping in all seasons of the year. And the answer is false. 
The phrase four seasons certainly had me considering one when we were looking for our next tent. I thought, oh perfect, a tent for all four seasons, that would be ideal. However, these made up categories of tents can be a little misleading. You certainly don't need a four season tent during most of the year or in most weather situations. A three season tent would do you just fine. So what is a four season tent? They are tents specifically designed to handle bad weather. This could be anything from high winds to heavy snowfall. Because of their ability to handle snow, many consider a four season tent the best option for winter camping. But depending on your situation, it might not be. Most four season tents do not provide any more insulation than tents sold as three season. They also won't be any better at keeping normal weather out. So, if you don't plan on spending winter nights high in the alpine, a three-season tent might be the best bang for your buck. If you do plan on those kind of adventures, a four-season tent would serve you well, but you will most likely find yourself buying another, more lightweight tent for the spring, summer, and fall months. Question 10. What country was the first to popularize recreational camping? Was it A, the United States? B. The United Kingdom, C. France, or D. Switzerland. And the answer is B, the United Kingdom. The history of camping is often traced back to one U.S. resident, Thomas Hiram Holding, a British traveling tailor, but it was first popularized along the River Thames in the 1880s. Recreational camping saw a great increase in popularity as it was connected to the late Victorian craze of pleasure boating. In the event of a tie, or if you're looking to earn a little extra credit, Here's today's bonus question. An article posted on Outdoorsy.com in 2020 took a deep dive into public data provided by Recreation.gov. Backstory on Recreation.gov, that's often where you will need to get permits or campsites that are on the federal level. Okay, this looked at states where camping has increased the most in the past five years. Name one of the top five states that saw the greatest increase in camping from 2015 to 2020. Again, we would be looking at people who made their reservations for camping on recreation.gov. This is a pretty big hint, I think. And the answers are, from top to bottom, Indiana, Nevada, South Dakota, Michigan, and Wyoming. Indiana sits at the top of the list with a staggering 481.3% increase in camping reservations on Recreation.gov. 
since 2015. I would suspect this increase has a lot to do with the creation of Indiana's first and only national park, Indiana Dunes, in 2019. I might give Chloe a hard time, but she pulled her weight this week, a very respectable 7 out of 10, although the Indiana Dunes question did get her. Alright folks, that brings us to the end of another episode of Travel and Trivia. We hope you enjoyed testing your knowledge and maybe even pick some up along the way. If you enjoyed today's episode, feel free to leave us a review. That would be awesome. They do a lot for us. If you would like to learn more about topics discussed in today's episode, check the references linked in the show notes. Join us next week as we cross the Golden Gate into San Francisco for San Francisco Trivia. As always, we at Travel Down Wander wish you well on your next adventure. You'll only ever regret the trips you don't take.